Kevin was seven years old when his parents broke the news to him that he had to take piano lessons. He wasn't exactly very thrilled, and so he would take them week after week, pretty miserable, half-hearted, looking outside at his friends playing baseball, thinking, what was he doing? Until one night, an angel appeared to him and gave him a vision, gave him a vision of famous Carnegie Hall and a pianist on a stage doing an amazing concert with beautiful music. The angel said to Kevin, what do you think about this? He only had a one-word answer, wow. And then the angel said to him, that is a picture of you a few years from now. And Kevin stands with his mouth wide open. And then the angel points to the piano and says, but you must practice. You must train. We spent the first month of this year imagining what God could do in our life. Imagining what he would want for our life. Dreaming about how God could work in our life. And you know, when you boil all those God-given dreams down, they end up on the other end being Jesus. I mean, he is everything we would ever want to be. And so I imagine, and I want to get over to that point, but I don't know about you, but that seems like a, an unreachable gap. I mean, in fact, when I imagine this and I see what Jesus is like and want to be that way, and so I just try to start pushing myself and trying harder, what ends up, you ever been there, is you're just really frustrated. I mean, you want to get there, but no matter how hard you try, no matter how tough you are, no matter how hard you push, you just don't make progress in being like Jesus. So in the long run, many of us, Stop imagining. And that's why today I think it's so critical that you join me in visiting the master's studio. And let's talk about this for a moment. What is a studio? A studio is simply an artist's workroom. You saw that picture up there just a a couple moments ago uh, of that sculptor working with that piece of clay. And, And that's the picture in Scripture we have between us and God Listen to Isaiah 6. Yet you, O Lord, are our Father. We are like clay. You are the potter. We are like the work of your hand. God God said, what what I want to do is I want my hands to mold you and make you into something different. But the way you start is you just start off as just a piece of of clay. I mean, it's not very beautiful. It's... um, it's rather ugly, actually, just a, a good old lump of clay. That's who God says we are. And, and what he says is, is for this clay to change, for us to move from imagining uh, to actually being who Jesus wants us to be, what we've got to have is we've got to have God molding us. We've got to go into that studio and let God work on us. Now, how do you do that? Here's an important point here. You enter the master's studio through what we call spiritual disciplines, okay? You enter this studio through what is called spiritual disciplines. Let me give you a good definition of spiritual disciplines. Intentional ways we open space in our lives to encounter God so that he can change us. 
You see, the studio is where I say, okay, I'm clearing this time. I'm focusing on God so that he can change me. The beauty of the master's studio is he is the one who does the changing, not us. So he gives us these, you might call them lots of different words. He, he gives us practices, exercises, training, disciplines. And, and, and don't, don't get too diverted with me. It's really simple. It's simply placing yourself in the place where God does the work. And, and so what happens here is Jesus says, when you do that, it removes the exhaustion, the absolute exhaustion of trying to change yourself. In fact, listen to the way Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 11. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? That's often all church does for us is just add more things for us to do and fail at. And in Jesus' day, people are born, they are burned out on it. Well, he's got the answer. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Listen to this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live life freely and lightly. Don't you like that picture? He said, I, he said if you'll come to me, if you'll come to the studio, I'm going to make it work. And you're going to, in the long run, experience a freedom and a lightness in your life that you can't have without it. Best illustration I can think of this, in our role in this, would be that old story that we all grew up singing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a what? Let me learn from, from um, Paul. Zacchaeus was a? He climbed up a? For what reason? For the Lord to see. And guys, there's the picture I want you to get as we enter this series is Zacchaeus finds out about Jesus coming. He wants to encounter Jesus, but he knows he's too short and the crowd's too deep. And so he runs ahead, and this short little man, this wee little man, climbs a sycamore tree so he can encounter Jesus. And and so by the end of the story, what the story says is salvation had come to his house that day. Did Zacchaeus save himself? Did Zacchaeus change himself? Absolutely not. Jesus is the one who changed him. The only good thing, friends, we can say about Zacchaeus is that he got on the tree so that he could encounter the Lord. And my friends, as we talk about spiritual disciplines today, entering the master studio, our job is just to get in the tree and see Jesus. His job is to mold me and change me. So, I want to tell you a few things about the master studio this morning as we begin. First of all, here are the things that you're going to find in this. Number one, here's the great news. You're going to find the master. When you enter the studio... As Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 11, he says, I I want you to keep company with me. Uh, through, Through centuries, spiritual disciplines have been described by those who practice them best as something rather simple. They are simply keeping company with Jesus. What what a beautiful thought that, that I can actually keep company with him. So when I entered this studio, I'm with the master. Now, the second point is a little bit different. 
you'll also find a big, big mess. You're just going to find, a, first of all, yourself, and, and you enter as an unformed, just glob of clay. I mean, the, the Bible uses all kinds of metaphors to make it clear that when we start out, we're not supposed to be fully formed. We, we are simply the clay that the master transformed. We are the baby spiritually when we become a Christian. You're not expected to act like an adult. You're just a baby with all the things that come with being a baby. The Bible makes it very clear that if any of us claim to not be sinners, that we're liars. And so the truth is, it's a mess. And part of the mess is, it's me. Part of the mess is, is you. But here's the good news I want you to hear this morning. In the master studio, it's okay to be a mess. You're not expected to come into the studio fully formed into a piece of art. You just come in the studio to encounter him. And, and not only are you a mess, but the, the process is, is rather messy. I don't know if you saw, but that, that wheel, that pottery wheel. And then you've got all these tools that are cutting into you and molding you and changing you and the end of the process, you're, you're put in this oven. And so this, this studio actually is a, a rather dirty, dusty place. And let me just say to any of you that are discouraged about your spiritual growth, spiritual growth is messy work. It's not just a straight line to heaven, man, or straight line to being like Jesus. It's, a, it's difficult. And that brings us to number three. There can be many tools in the master studio. If you were just to Google, you know, a pottery studio, you would see there's all kinds of different tools. They've got this wheel that spins. They've got all these different devices that trim and poke and change. They're always covering the clay with water to keep it moldable. At some point, they'll put a glaze on the, the work. At another point, they'll put it in an oven over 2,000 degrees. And then there's the paint. There's so many tools that you use. And my friends, when we come to these spiritual disciplines, there are just a lot of them. Let me, let me show you 12 of them on the screens this morning. These are from a classic work by Richard Foster called A Celebration of Discipline. And, and here's what I want you to see is all of these are simply ways that you come into the presence of God. Uh, please understand as you look at this list because here's the misunderstanding I had a long time. I thought these were the goals because we grew up here in two things. You need to read your Bible and you need to pray. And that was the evaluation of spiritual life. And obviously, that's a big part of this. But understanding, reading your Bible and praying was never the goal. It was the means to the end. And so all of these wonderful tools that God uses, fasting and simplicity, finding yourself in solitude in a noisy, busy world, worshiping, what we're doing today, are all tools that God uses to shape us. In fact, that's a pretty short list. Jeremy Swindle put me on to a book that lists 75 spiritual disciplines. There's so many ones. Now, here's one thing you're going to find out, is that dis different disciplines will fit different ones of us. Oh, there are some basics that we all do, but there are others that you're going to find practicing them actually brings you into a beautiful place with God. So let me give you another point. We've got, we, we got to be, you know, truth in advertising here. In the master studio, there's going to be some pain, okay? Number four, there's going to be some pain. 
I mean, as God begins to chip away at you and cut away at you and fold you and mash you, there will be some pain involved in that. When Job was being mowed, he said, God, I am like a piece of clay in your hands. And then he begs God, please, 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 in the midst of this, don't kill me. These are painful in some point. And and even the term I've struggled with a little bit using today is is spiritual disciplines. How many of you like the word discipline? Looks like 100% of you don't. I mean, discipline just sounds, sounds rough to me. It, but, but let's say this involves discipline. You're not the one changing yourself, but you've got to have the discipline to get into the studio, okay? Now, what is discipline? Discipline is just a fancy word that really means this. I give up something I want for something I want more. Okay, you got that? I give up something I want for something I want more. I give up 15 minutes of sleep so that I can get up and spend time with the Lord. I, I get up that TV program so that I might feel, spend some time in stillness. I, I cut some of my perusing social media so that I can encounter God. I give up some food for a day or two so that I might yearn for God like I yearn for food. So it does take some pain, but the pain is, is well worth it because in the long run, In the master's studio, what you're going to find is that you're going to find that you become the master's masterpiece. What started in the studio, in the messy, ground, dirty studio, will eventually be displayed in God's gallery. And so what starts off as just a lump of clay in the long run can become an awesome and beautiful piece of of pottery. But it's that process that takes you there. Now, here's what I love. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. I mean, God has created a beautiful world. He slung the world into existence, the stars, the moon. I mean, it is incredible. Uh, The psalmist does say that's a masterpiece. But God's greatest masterpiece is not the universe. His greatest masterpiece is you and me. He wants to change us. Let's take a time out here. You say, buddy, this this sounds good to me, but it doesn't really sound any different than what I've been doing my whole life, okay? You say, what we normally do is we imagine and then we strive and we push and we, you know, we try to work at it. Uh, When you talk about spiritual disciplines, buddy, this sounds to me like I'm still doing the same thing. So, what's the difference? Now, here, here's the key to this message and the foundation of this series. If you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole thing. Here's the difference. It's the difference between trying and training. Okay? You got that? Say it with me. It's the difference between and training. Okay? Uh, the way we normally approach spiritual growth is you come to church, I lay it out here, here's something else you need to work on. And so basically you leave these doors going, I'm going to go try harder. And it just doesn't get you there. It's like Kevin at the beginning of our message here. I mean, if he wants to play the piano, you can't just point at the piano and say, you've got to try harder. 
Okay, we're going to put you in Carnegie Hall. Here's the piano. Kevin, play something beautiful. And Kevin says, I'm going to do it, guys. I'm going to work myself up, and I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to try so hard. And no matter how hard that kid tries, he can't play it unless he's practiced and trained and disciplined. It's like, I don't know if any of you are watching the Olympics. Let's say a year ago, the U.S. Olympic Committee calls you. You're shocked. Because you've never talked to them, never thought about it. And they say, we have selected you to be on the Olympic team. You say, well, you're kidding. I've never even thought certainly about winter sports. And they go, no, we've got all this data and all this information about everybody in America. We know your body type. We know your metabolism. We know your build. We know your muscle structure. We know what you are capable of. And we believe that you could be the fastest slalom skier in the world. We just want you to come to South Korea, and we want you to race. You go, cool, cool, cool. Never thought about that. So what's going to happen if, if, if in this last year you've done nothing, and you've shown up in South Korea, and you get on the slopes, and you try real hard? I'm telling you what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a ball of snow rolling down that mountain. I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter how hard I try, man. I am not going to achieve it. But if the last year when they gave you this amazing call and, and you call an expert and you go out west to a, a training facility and you begin to, to watch your diet and you begin to, to learn your body and you begin to learn how to ski and how to, to move and you begin to even understand the snow. Heard something this week that shocked me is that the average Olympian skier, when they go to South Korea, they take a hundred pairs of skis with them. Now I would have thought two, one, you know, and one if it broke. Why do they take a hundred? Because they have learned to know the snow so well and their body so well and the temperature so well that they know which of those hundred skis will go the fastest in that place. And you see, guys, that, that's what happens when we start training in the long run, here's the cool news, is it becomes more and more natural. Listen, here's what you've got to understand this morning. You're not going to change by willpower alone. That's what we want to believe. But here's what the Bible says. Here's a key verse, real short. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Train yourself to be godly. Did you hear that? Say it with me. Train yourself to be godly. Say it again. Train yourself to be godly. He didn't say try real hard to be godly. He said train yourself. Because willpower won't work. I love the the children's book, The Frog and the Toad, together. They're learning the limits of trying because the frog and the toad have decided they need to lose weight. They want to look better. But the frog keeps baking these cookies. And so they get together eating cookies, and they keep saying what we would say— i got to stop eating. We must stop. And finally, the toad says to the frog, you know what we need is we need more willpower. And the frog says, what is willpower? And the toad says, to do something you want to do, not to do something you want to do very very much. And then the frog says, well, let's go cook a cake. (laughs) I mean, they just make no progress at all. Because willpower is not enough. You've tried that. The people in this building who understand this the most are the wonderful members of our RSVP ministry. But because 
the first statement, an alcoholic anonymous, the first step is, I cannot stop by willpower alone. I can't stop drinking by just saying, stop drinking, buddy. And, and, and that's why AA is probably the most effective group in America. And I'm sure the steps and principles would apply to, to many areas because they go, I can't stop, but if I start doing some disciplines confessing, if I start taking a, a honest inventory of my life, if I make amends with other people, if I'm accountable to a group, well then what I could not achieve by willpower, I could achieve by discipline. And so you and I need to learn today that just coming to church and saying, I want to do better, I'm going to try to do better, will never make it. It won't make it any other area of life. Now, let's just go back for a moment. You will never become a great piano player by just trying harder. You'll never become a great downhill skier by just going to the slope and saying, I'm going to try. You, you would never become a great quarterback on your, on your football team. No, what you want to do is you want to learn the reps. You need to begin to learn what the defense looks like. You need to learn your abilities, and you need to do those reps long enough to someday that you can go on the field, and it will be like breathing. You cannot become a good mechanic by just trying to be a good mechanic. You can't become a, a good home builder or a good marathon runner just by saying, I'm going to try harder. No, what you would do in every one of those areas is that you would learn the discipline of doing those things. Now, here's the really, here's the really cool news. Is once you've done it long enough, there comes a point where it's natural, okay? The kid who disciplined himself to play the piano, by the time he gets to Carnegie Hall, he doesn't have to think of every note and every placement of his finger. He plays naturally, and actually he plays freely. He may add some things right there on the spot that weren't in the repertoire. The quarterback who's trained really well, I mean, finally, when he's on the field, you don't want him to overthink. What you want him to do is to, to have had enough repetitions that finally when he's out there, it just works. The mechanic who works on the car, he's trained long enough that he can listen to the engine and immediately know what's wrong with it. And here's what Jesus said to us earlier. When you begin to keep company with him, you finally get to a place of lightness and freedom. Over time, as you practice these disciplines, as you train, you eventually get to the place where you're starting to act a little bit like Jesus. And it's not because the preacher said, go be Jesus, or you told yourself to be Jesus. It's because you have kept company long enough with him that he has changed you. Now, my friends, please, that's why I wanted this slide up here so long. Go back to that slide, please. <laughs> don't, don't cut it off on me. Go back to the... This is so important. And this is the foundation of our message series. Training versus trying. Because if you don't get this, what it can sound like the next few weeks, that I'm just adding to your burden and your frustration. But if you understand it, it could change you. And let me just say this. I'm so excited about this series because I've had a couple months to practice many of these things myself better than I have in a long, long time, honestly. 
And my friends, I want us to get this one, okay, so badly. If not, what's going to happen is we're just going to stop imagining. When every time you imagine being better and you hit a brick wall, you just quit. And that's why I appreciate so much it's the shepherds of this church who, when we were planning this year, said, the series we want you to preach the most is we want you to preach on spiritual disciplines because they are the path to real change. We can try quick paths, easy paths, less painless paths, but they won't work. So here's the good news. If you'll give yourself to keeping company with Jesus, in the long run, it will become natural and free and beautiful. You can be molded from just a chunky piece of clay into something beautiful molded by the master's hands. So let's get started. This morning, we want to practice one of these disciplines right now. And that's the spiritual discipline that we're engaged in today, which is worship. Now, here's what I want you to understand as the praise team's coming up here. The goal of worship is not for you to check the right boxes off. Many of us grew up, okay, if I, I come to church and, you know, I listen to the message and uh, we sing and we take communion and we take up the contribution and, you know, if, I, if my goal is to come in here and to do these things. And so many of us do that Sunday after Sunday and we check off the box. But my friends, the goal of worship is not for you to check off the boxes. The goal of worship is for you and I to actually encounter God. So, I mean, we, we could take the Lord's Supper earlier, but if you didn't encounter God, no power there. We're going to spend the last block of our worship praising Him in song. And, and let me say this, if, if you don't encounter God... It's not worship. In fact, I saw this quotation this week. It's convicted the fire out of me. Because I'll tell you guys, my mind buzzes. And I sit in this service, and I can think of everything and what needs to be going on here and what's going to happen over there. And what, I mean, and so often, I miss God. You ever do that? If I'm I'm the only one? You go all the way through church, and you really didn't think about God? And listen to this quotation. Regardless of what else we are doing, We are not worshiping unless we are thinking about God. Regardless of what else we're doing, we're not worshiping if we're not thinking about God. So these next few moments, we're going to practice some of the spiritual disciplines. We are going to worship. I pray you'll get everything out of your mind and forget who's sitting beside you and what they may think and just worship God. Today, if you need to practice a spiritual discipline of confession on this front row, meet me up here. Today, if you've got a need in your life and you want the church to practice the discipline of prayer on your behalf, meet me here on this front row. But at this moment, every one of us has an opportunity to worship. So would you take just a second, just a few moments with me, and when you think about God, think about the character of God that you appreciate, the character quality of God that you appreciate the most. Think about what you love the most about Jesus. Think about some of the great gifts of blessing he has given you. You see, here's what worship is. I skipped the definition. Worship is simply focusing on and responding to God. 
And in the middle of me focusing on God and responding to Him, this is the studio where He works on me. So think about God. Let's respond in worship. Let's stand up and sing.